Welcome to today's episode of Cutting Through the Noise. I'm joined by the incredible Megan Evans from In All Salon and In All Education. And I'm just going to hand straight over to you uh, to introduce yourself, Megan. Hi, um, so I'm Megan Evans. I own In All Salon in Adelaide. Um, I've had my business for 11 years now. And um, over that period of time, I've been lucky enough to work in education. And uh, before I owned my salon, I also worked in um, as a technical advisor. So I've worked in lots of different salons in my 25 years of hairdressing. And um, yeah, I'm passionate about education and I'm passionate about educating hairdressers to be great hairdressers, which is not necessarily just about hair. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think that's me. I just love our industry and so want to do whatever I can to support it. I I didn't know that you were um, previously like an educator. Were you working for a product company? Yeah, yeah. So I started out with um, Joyco. Did you? Yeah, yeah. So love my Joyco fam. Duncan is still one of my faves. Shout out to Duncan. I was talking to him a couple of days ago, actually. And, um, you know, I think we, anyone who's worked in education also knows Rochelle, who is now our Balinese bestie. Um, And so, yeah, so we worked together back then. And, yeah, so I sort of started out as an educator, you know, going into salons and teaching people how to use our colour and, um, yeah, all of, you know, all of our products and stuff like that and had, you know, just really amazing opportunities and through doing that. And then, you know, like then owning my own salon, I've always um, put myself forward for opportunities. I think I'm always someone that will say yes. So, um, and I've also often paid my own way to to make sure that I could do those things. And so, yeah, so, you know, like I've been lucky enough, I've worked with Matrix and Goldwell and um, I've travelled around Australia with some incredible hairdressers and been mentored by some of Australia's most incredible hairdressers. And so I think it's really great as an educator to really be able to tap into a lot of different people, a lot of different salons, and kind of understand how people really all learn differently and how I, as an educator, need to kind of like move and flow and be able to change what I do to suit other people. I think that's that's such a great point that you touch on. So, for example, you're teaching a class and you might have five different people in that class and one learns by looking and one learns by listening and then the other learns by tactile touch. Yeah. Yes, it's you've got to have a really strong ability to read the room and understand what each person needs and pick that up pretty quickly. Yeah. I don't think people necessarily even identify with how they learn. They don't know that they're tactile auditory, kinesthetic, whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. And I actually have on my website, I have a free learning quiz so that people can actually go and download the quiz. They can give it to all of their um, team members. And then like, you know, as a salon owner, it, it is really important for me to understand how someone's learning. Even if it is just the kid that's coming into work as a tea and tidy on a Saturday, I need to know, like, if I'm 
rattling off all of this information to them, but they need me to show them, then they're not going to be very good at their job. Yeah. Because I haven't been the right teacher. So um, it is when you're in a classroom situation, you do really need to, you know, gauge the crowd. And so it's sort of something that I kind of have introduced now is actually doing a learning quiz and I can go, okay, all the um, kinesthetic, the touchy-feely people, let's put you over here. This is how we're going to do this. Then, you know, like the auditory, just, you know, make sure you're close, you can hear me. And, yeah, so, you know, like it, that way you can really make sure that everybody in the class is getting what they need. Well, I think that's the thing about a really great educator is they know how to weave all of those modes of communication into the one delivery. Yeah. Um, so I remember. Well, it's interesting. Sorry to interrupt you. I actually, I am a across the board learner. So I am evenly each of those things. So I think because I need those things for myself to learn, it makes it a little bit easier for me to teach other people. Okay. And with the quiz, because I'm going to get download it and do it myself out of interest. Yeah. So with that particular quiz, you'd give that to anyone that's going to be educated by you beforehand so that you kind of know what you're dealing with prior yeah. to it. Yeah. So like with new staff members in my business, I've got a salon handbook. So it is literally like this is how we do this here and it's from, you know, client experience, everything, education, where to put your bag, you know, where we put the broom, everything. And so that learning quiz is actually part of that handbook. So that way then I know before they start, you know what, like maybe I need to show them where the broom is and actually say this is it, you know. And I think like I also have a son who's on the spectrum Mm -hmm. and has intellectual impairment. And so I really understand how I need to teach him things. And so it's never too much of a problem for me to do that in the workplace to take that extra time to teach people how they learn yeah okay just how I live my life yeah and do you think that intuition kind of carries over into the client consultation part as well absolutely absolutely you know there's some clients where it's like you know what I know that me fluffing their hair up is not going to help them get through this section of our um our appointment you know because the consultation is the most important part of any haircut or color or anything my my boss when I was an apprentice he told me if you do a good consultation you'll never fuck up anyone's hair so and it's true that is true yeah Yeah. and um so yeah so you know like it's with clients you know sometimes it's like okay I need to sit in front of you you need to look at me and I need to then show you visually what we're going to be doing and, you know, so that we can connect all of those dots. Whereas, you know, someone else might be happy for me to like fluff up their hair and go, okay, if we do this and we do that on you, you know, like, so you have to be willing to change the way you do things depending on who's on in your chair or who's working in your salon. And I think that first impression, it's always based off the body language, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, and that's what used to terrify me about being behind the chair, like having that person that comes in, crosses their arms and just waits for the, and you think, oh, my God, you are just going to be an absolute hater. <laughs> and so you've got to unpack them. You've got to, like, yeah. work out. I think sometimes they're my favourites because, like, you know, when you can, because the thing is when people are like that, their hair isn't their problem. Yeah. 
you know. And so if you can create a safe space for someone to, you know, like actually sort of let their guard down a little bit and they'll be a client for life. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some that are like, okay, you can go now. <laughs> you can say fuck off on here. That's fine. <laughs> you can fuck right off. <laughs> I have, I once had a client who, after I won South Australian Hairdresser of the Year, I was in the newspaper. Now, not very many of my clients are newspaper people, you know. It's, yeah, different mode of advertising for my clientele. And um, so anyway, I had this woman come in and sat down. It took me a half an hour to do any kind of consultation. She wanted long hair that was short, short hair that was long, black hair that was blonde. Like it was just... And I just went, okay, you know what? I'm going to call it. I'm not going to do your hair today. I said, I just, I don't think our energy is really matching. I'm not understanding what you want. I don't think you understand what I think is going to suit you. So I am going to give you the opportunity to find a new hairdresser. And she said to me, this has never happened to me. And I've had hundreds of hairdressers. And I was like, and I'm not one of them. See ya. That's the point. You've had hundreds of hairdressers. There is a common denominator in there. Uh-huh. Exactly. So, yeah, every now and then you have to be like, okay, this is a ball breaker that I don't need to bust. Yeah. You know, move on. But it's, you know, like I think it is really kind of understanding how you can make someone feel safe. So it's like a client feeling safe in a salon. And also I just think creating a safe space in an education realm is really important because I think that a lot of us kind of always feel like we don't know enough you know and I don't want people to know that I don't know enough I don't want my clients to know that I don't know enough and so sometimes I think you know going into a classroom it's really intimidating and so I think as an educator it is really important that we you know put ourselves in our students shoes and go okay how did I feel in that situation? So, you know, good icebreaker for me is like talking about the first time a razor cut someone's hair in the salon. It was a disaster. And, you know, like here I am now in a classroom teaching people because I took control of my education and I learned and I taught myself and I learned from other people and all of that. So I think that it is just really important to create safe spaces. So if we can understand our students just that little bit better, that is like a massive step in the right direction. Especially on that apprentice level, because anyone who's been an apprentice knows how, I guess, fragile your confidence is. And it can be broken in a microsecond by a client, another team member. And I remember every single one of those moments as an apprentice, Mm -hmm. what it's like to have my confidence broken. Yeah, yep, absolutely. And I think as well, like as a salon owner, like salon ownership is really difficult. And I think even more so now, post-COVID, you know, we don't have as many people in the industry as we need. And so it's like if we can just create an environment for our young people to be able to learn and to grow in a really positive manner, then that's how we keep them, Yeah, you know. Tell me about um, your experiences with apprentices, I guess, in the state of our current industry, because um, look, from what I know, and I'm not across the exact numbers, but we have the lowest rates of people entering the industry than ever before. 
And yep. it's so hard to work out why that is and what we can collectively do to change that. I don't have the answer, but I'd love to know your thoughts on it. Well, um, so last year, I well, the last couple of years, actually, I've gone to the AHC Industry Day, which I personally think as a business owner is the most important day of like the hair expo, hair festival um, calendar, you know, because it really tells us about what our young people are learning, why they're staying and why they're leaving, more importantly. And um, now I'm not sure on the exact stats, um, but I think it was like we need something like 5,500 new apprentices a year, you know, for to make our industry sustainable. Yeah. And um, I think we were at, this was last June, we were at something like 3,500. Now, I think it's only something like 40% of those are completing their apprenticeships. So there's, I think it's kind of like a double barrel problem here. I think schools don't encourage people to be hairdressers. Um, Schools aren't encouraging people and that means that parents then aren't encouraging people because I don't think that schools really understand the scope of the hairdressing industry and the things that you can do. I mean, look at you. Like here you are, you know, you own a marketing company. You started out as a hairdresser and you do really great things for the industry. You wouldn't be here if you hadn't have been a hairdresser. Oh, absolutely. It paved the way entirely. Exactly. Every time I've had a not-so-great experience in my career, it's been the best lesson that I've learned and it's actually propelled me, although at times, that you never see it in the moment but like yeah. every major thing that's ever happened to me like you know I've worked in some salons where I've met the most amazing people mm-hmm. that. Yeah. and you can't describe it and you are so right schools do not encourage it no they don't and so you know I mean one of my dreams is one day to just get like a traveling hairdresser circus and just do like massive hair shows for s- schools just go, everyone come to the entertainment centre. We're going to put on a next generation show for, you know, schools. Like I think that would be amazing. It would be really great if all of the companies could add money to that. So I'll just put that out there. Um, <laughs> great idea. Yeah, you know, I just I think that we really do need to, um, yeah, you know, work on that. I very many many years ago um I was reading I think it was Aesthetica or something like that and there was an article in there and this um man I can't remember who he was now or what salon he owned but he said you know once upon a time um hairdressing was for dumb daughters and gay sons you know and that is not the industry you know the industry is filled with passionate creative imaginative smart like incredible people and I just think you know all those naughty kids that have ADHD that talk too much in the classroom they make the best hairdressers you know like we because we, we all love to know. I love <laughs> for the percentage of hairdressers with ADHD oh I reckon it'd probably be at least two-thirds you reckon I would have said 50 I'm gonna go with 50 it's it's mm-hmm. high yeah it'd definitely be it's up there definitely um, but yeah, so like back to the industry day, you know, if we've only got 40% of them completing, so then the other problem, so we've got people, we're not having enough coming into the industry, but then 
when they get into the industry, they're not getting the training, you know. There's, like, there's some really great salons out there who do incredible training and it is just part of what they do. But there's also a lot of salon owners out there who have bought themselves a job because that's what I did. I, you know, worked in a salon, it closed down and I needed a job and I wanted to not have a boss for a little while. So I literally bought myself a salon so that I had a job. And, you know, for a really long time, I wanted, I was like, I I need to be able to have a training manual for my apprentices because I know as an educator what they need to learn, but I need them to know, you know, and all of that knowledge is in my brain and I'm working on the floor 45 hours a week and, you know, so it's like I'm training when I can and I'm doing this. And so I think that it's not necessarily that salon owners don't want to train their team, it's that they just don't have the space available to create the template to say, this is what you need to learn. I think that structure is absolutely paramount because you you need to implement it right from the start, right? Yeah. yeah. There's no point adding like structure and templates in, in the, you know, like the final third of your apprenticeship. And yeah. I know that um, something that you do really well is kind of with your education is build those foundations. So can you talk us through what you've built for that education purpose? Yeah. So um, I've created like the apprentice training guide. So what it is, it's for business owners and for apprentices. It is not a how-to manual. Right. So many, you know, like there's Secret Fox, there's a million YouTube hairdressers who do really great how-to. The apprentice training guide is for salon owners and apprentices to understand where they start and where they finish. So, and the journey along the way. So it starts, it's a five level program. So it starts with um, salon assistant. So level one, salon assistant. Um, Level two is um, styling and colour. Styling and colour, yep. Um, And then we've got, uh, no, so level two is styling. So blow drying um, and some like chemical treatments like keratin and that kind of thing. Then we move into colour. Um, which is third. Then we've got fourth is apprentice stylist. So we talk about haircutting and then um, level five is basically all about understanding running your column and keeping on time and that sort of thing. So with each section, it goes through literally like, you know, talk to your team about how to hold your broom. So it's there's a lot of um, self-led education in there as well. So it's like, I think it's important for apprentices to seek some information. Like yeah. they need to have the hunger for it, right? So, you know, like when I started hairdressing, um, you know, the internet was only just happening, was dial up. I had to go to my sister's house to use her computer. And um, I found behind the chair and I used to like print all of their how-to stuff and I created a book of like, how to style hair, how to cut hair, how to do these colour techniques. And I still have those things now. And there are things, I look at them sometimes, I'm like, oh, that's right, those peekaboo colours, I'm going to, you know, start doing that again. And, yeah, so, you know, like I really, I was seeking as much information on how to be good at my job as I possibly could because, you know, ultimately I work for my clients. 
they're the ones that are paying my wage. And so I wanted to make sure that I could be good at what I do for them. And, um, yeah, so I've put a lot of that into the apprentice training guide. So it's like, you know, there's um, also like a reference in there. So there's a reference guide to different websites um, and, you know, because there are some really amazing websites out there and hairdressers in the Australian industry who are putting really great content out there and and academies to go, you know, like cutting academies and all of that stuff. So I've put all of them um, into the guide as well so that people can sort of seek some information. And um, another little sneaky thing that I've put in there is some projects on Australian hairdressers. So look up, you know, some amazing stylists or there's... um, you know, some stuff in there about like family dynasties, because we have quite a few Australian family dynasties in our industry. And I think it's really good to kind of learn about the Australian hairdressing industry, how it's evolved, where it came from, you know, um, we all know Vidal Sassoon's name, and there's hairdressers in our industry in Australia that are just as good. Absolutely. I I love that. Yeah. So, it's just, I, I think, you know, because I am, I'm passionate about hairdressing. Like I just, I love it. I love the industry. I love what I do. It's just amazing. And so I want to just soak up all of the information about how we got here, you know? Look, I think what what I find, and maybe it's just showing my age, is that my greatest commodity is my time. It's mm-hmm. kind of more valuable than money so in, oh. in many ways. And yep. if you're a salon owner and you are trying to spin all of the plates and do the payroll and the education and all the client stuff, like formatting programs like this is not going to be top of your agenda. It's going to be a project that you start that you have to keep coming back to. Mm-hmm. So what I love is I can get it from you and it's just there and it's done and I follow it. Yeah. And um, the I other thing. Love a good template. Like. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I've done as well is it's a one-time purchase. Yes. Because I, like, it doesn't matter how many apprentices you have from now on, you've got that structure. Like, the apprentice training guide is yours. You can use it, edit it, do whatever you want to for the rest of your business's life. And because, you know, I just think it is really important to, you know, make sure that we're continuing to train people well and, you know, because I think realistically, um, if we don't really start tapping into our apprentices and training people and getting more people in our industry, we will end up like nail salons. Yeah. You know, that's that's where our industry will head. And I don't think any of us or any of our clients want that to happen. Absolutely. It's it's a really scary time because we just don't know. We've never seen a time like this. Yeah. I was chatting to Mia, my friend this morning, and I was like, you know what? I've seen over what's what's been telling to me about our industry. And um, just for everyone's reference, we're talking it's late February at the moment. If you're listening to this as an archive a little later in 2024, um, the amount of stuff I see on Facebook where people are selling salon equipment, that tells me that that businesses are either kind of closing or they're they're shape-shifting into a smaller unit, they're kind of moving into a a shared space. It's definitely a time for massive change. But for change, there is opportunity. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I've I've been living on the Gold Coast for the last year and, you know, on the Gold Coast, there's not that many salons that employ people anymore. Really? Do you think yeah. the difference between the two locations? The, the bulk of, yeah, the, definitely like, I mean, you know, but the Gold Coast is the land of the entrepreneur. So, you know, it's, it's where people go to, you know, make their millions. But um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, and I know that it's happening in other, other Eastern states as well, where people are renting chairs and, you know, last year I saw Anthony Whitaker, he was at the industry day as well. And he was talking about, you know, the change in model and that, you know, it is changing to be more rent a chair and all the rest of it. And it's like, that's great. And that is something that I think, you know, down the line, maybe it's something that I'll think about, but I will never not have apprentices. So because I can't do what I do and be an educator with no apprentices in the industry, it's just, it doesn't happen. And so not only are our salons affected, also our industry educators are affected. And that means that our um, industry companies, like our, our colour companies, and that they are affected, you know. So it is such a follow-on problem. And so it's like we need to really come back and we need to go, okay, whether we're renting chairs or whatever, how do we create business models that still bring new, fresh people into the industry? I think it can be done. I absolutely think that, like, you know, we can have a hybrid salon rent-a-chair model. Yeah. Um, with apprentices and I love the discussion that's been thrown around and I had a chat to um, Sandy from the AHC about this a little while ago just piloting different ideas yeah. like there's no reason why we can't look at apprentice models where you know you have an apprentice that works with you Wednesday Thursday Friday but then on Saturdays and Mondays they work in a different salon and they get a great cross section of education from two different people mm-hmm. and I actually think that's great I would love a, a situation where I had an apprentice that'd be like, oh, I actually learned this at the other salon that I work in. Yeah. And yeah. you can share that information. I think that's really powerful. I think I, one of the things that I did as an apprentice many moons ago, um, I actually started out at Clip Joint doing a full-time course. So, you know, I was a young mum and so sort of like going straight into an apprenticeship, it just wasn't going to work for me quite as well. And so I yeah, went and did the course full-time for a year. So I did all of my practical stuff. Um, But three months into my course, I was offered a job in a salon because I looked like a hairdresser. (laughs) And um, I went and worked in that salon and then went in as an apprentice, second-year apprentice, after six months. And so then completed apprentice training at ClipJoin. So I would really love, and, you know, I know that the, like, the hairdressing package, like, you know, the wheels move pretty slowly when it comes to, you know, governments changing our education packages, which is, again, something I learned at Industry Day. But I would love to be able to see hybrid models like that. You know, we can breathe more life into RTOs by going, okay, let's get students in here doing practical and then let's halfway through get them out into salons, you know, so that we can get people in the industry faster, get people on the floor faster and just provide that, um, yeah, hybrid model. I think the hybrid model also offers like a new take on salon culture, which mm. is which can be a really amazing thing. 
because yeah. I think more diversity is definitely what we need. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you said, education is that absolute pillar of what holds the industry together. So that, yeah. you know, apprentices and education needs to be central. And I think sometimes when we look at going to the renter chair model, education kind of slips back that little bit. Yeah. I know that there would be, if I were back on the floor and I would, you know, going to rent a chair, doing my own education wouldn't be as big a priority because I'm like, because I can work and earn money and it's. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, it's finding the happy medium, but if like, you know, I'm, I've been hairdressing 25 years. I will never stop learning. No. Never. You know, like there is always something happening and I don't necessarily think there's a whole heap of brand new techniques that come into the industry, but it is always changing and shifting and evolving. And so, you know, it's like it's one of those things I I think, you know, even for people who perhaps want to come back into the industry, you know, because I think we lost a lot of people post-COVID and during COVID, especially, you know, with lockdowns, it's like, well, we can't do our job from home. So I think we lost a lot of people through that. But I think a lot will want to come back because there's a thing about hairdressing that no other industries really have, you know. We're better than um, therapists because our clients leave happy. (laughs) That is so true. Yeah. Do you think that it's just touching on that? Do you think that's also something that we need to look at introducing into the education package? Hands down. Yep. I actually have a certificate for in community counselling. And yeah, yeah. I went and um I went and did that because I really, I really recognize that we have a need for that in our industry, you know, and people come and trauma dump on us, or you know, maybe they're not trauma dumping and that's the problem. And you know, so that's where I'm like, you know, when someone comes in and they're being a ball breaker, it's not about the hair. So it is up to me as a good hairdresser to be able to kind of unpack that a little bit, keep myself safe, provide space for someone and both of us leave happy. I think that sounds like a national tour. (laughs) (laughs) That would be an amazing roadshow for you to take around the country. I mean, like that double qualification is pretty impressive. Like you've had an absolutely cracking career. Yeah. (laughs) I've done a few things, yeah. I just like we were talking about, you know, um, it's that sort of neurodiversity. I've like, you know, I've just always need to be doing something and learning and, you know, growing. Growth is like a, um, a, a, a mental and physical necessity for me. What I think is pretty awesome is firstly, your authenticity. I love that about you. But secondly, like you, you don't have any ego whatsoever. And when I asked you to introduce yourself, and it's not saying that this would be a bad thing if people said, well, you know, like I've been South Australian hairdresser of the year, because most people would lead with those accolades and you came straight in like, I love educating and I love teaching people. So I think that speaks volumes about what you can offer as an educator. And we, you know, we need more like you. I think, you know, my, as a neurodiverse person, my special interest is people. Like I love people I love meeting new people I love learning about people I love you know so it's like it's so cool to be a hairdresser because I get to marry two of my special interests you know hairdressing creativity and people it's amazing so what have you got coming up like what what does the rest of this year look like for you because I'm sure there's going to be lots of people that want to reach out and maybe talk to you about education 
I definitely want to put um, the apprentice guide into the show notes so that I think yes. every salon should invest in that. Yeah, I I would really I like said, to invest in that. That would be great. <laughs> it's a resource for life. Yeah. You know what? Like I, the thing that just baffles me as a salon owner is why can I sign an apprentice up and not have this all ready to go? Like I just feel like, you know, when our apprentice companies come in and they sign our young people up, why aren't they checking what education we're going to provide? You know, because it's like I just think that it is a major box that should be ticked and it's always kind of I've always been like, why don't we have this? You know, there's been like things around but like I don't need a how-to guide as an educator, you know, like what I need is what do I teach them next? How do we, okay, we've got training booked in. Um, have they got a model? You know, what do we need a model for? So it's like literally with the guide, it is it is basically like models necessary, organising models. Like, so, yeah, so I just think as a salon owner, we should have this. Why don't we have this? Things get hard and you're like, well, I don't know how to find a model. So then it's like let's just pivot and do something else and you lose the structure. But all exactly. of that stuff, like how do I find a model? And, I mean, mm. that's that's the biggest blessing that I have to say. Social media, being able to find models. Like you would know, you, you're my generation. We hit the streets. We pounded the paper. Oh, yeah. So I my boss used to make me go into Coles and he was like, go ask mums. They love free shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, can I give your kids a haircut? And then, you know, and, but do you know what? I still have some of those clients are still my clients today because I stopped them in Coles and I was like, can I give your kid a haircut? And then, you know, they came in and I was like, oh, we could do this with your hair. So, you know, like I created those relationships with people because I had to, you know, accost them on the street. <laughs> So what does the rest of the year look like for you? Um, so I've been working on putting together a colour correction class because I love colour correction. Like colour correction is my jam. Like I just, it's like a language that I just understand. And I think sometimes when you see someone's hair and they've got so much shit going on, it is really easy to feel really overwhelmed. And so I've been working on putting together a colour correction class where we can kind of just dispel some of the myths around colour correction and um, understand how to price it and understand how to consult for colour correction as well because, you know, like we might go, okay, you're going to need a toner on that or whatever. And you know what? Sometimes we need two toners because it's colour correction and it doesn't always work the first time. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's it's one of those very big, complex, scary things and I just want to kind of help people bring it all down and, and like, bring it into steps. And oh, We need, I think you hit the nail on the head, like colour correction needs education on pricing and that's the thing. We know how to teach the, the theoretical side but there are yeah. so many layers. Exactly, exactly. And I think as well it's really important to then go, okay, now how do I price the follow-up? after this you know because we're we're doing these you know like it's not uncommon for us to have you know people come in and spend six seven hundred dollars on color correction 
But then the next time they come in, am I going to have to do the same stuff again? Am I going to have to do more? Am I going to have to do less? And it's like, I I have a destination salon, so I rely on rebooking. You know, we might be lucky to have two walk-ins a year. So we have a lot of new clients coming to us for colour correction specifically. And so I need to know how to create the experience for them and then rebook them and make them regular clients who are going to want to keep coming back for more. Yeah. So it's like, okay, you know, this is how we price this first one. This is what we're probably going to have to do for the second one. And, you know, moving forward, then we have a relationship for a very long time. Yeah. Well, I think you're absolutely incredible. I love your story. Your passion is incredible. Um, what What's the word I'm looking for? It's contagious, actually. Like every time I speak to you, I'm having extra spring in my step. <laughs> Oh, that's good. I've got one of my beautiful clients, um, Carly. I'm always like, come here, let me rub my happy on you, you know, because like I just, if you can do one thing in the world, it's leave good energy behind. And I actually have a sign in my front, in the front of my salon that says the energy in in our salon is eternal because you're now going to go and share that energy with somebody else. And then because you've made them feel good, they're going to share it with somebody else again. So, like, yeah, that's my my job in the world is really complete when I make people feel like that. So thank you. Oh, it's been great having you on. And I'm going to leave all of your details, links, all that stuff in the show notes. Um, yeah, so thanks so much for being our guest. I think we're episode five now. For this oh, wow. Yeah. So episode five. I'll come back for 500. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll both be old and decrepit, I'm sure. <laughs> Already there. Already there. Oh, thanks so much for your time today, Megan. Pleasure. Thank you for having me.